This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, Parshat Bukhu Kosei 5782, we're going to talk about the Pasuk Chaf Vav, Parak Chaf Vav, Pasuk Ches. Now this is a Pasuk among the brachos of the Parsha. It says, V'rod fumikem chamisha mea, that a hundred of or five of you are going to be able to chase a hundred of your enemies. And then it says, and a hundred of you will be able to chase 10,000. And your enemies will fall down in front of you by the sword. So obviously, guys, the ratio is off, right? If we say five people are going to be able to chase a hundred, that's a ratio of one to 20. If then you're going to say that a hundred people are going to be able to chase 10,000, then that's a ratio of one to a hundred. So it went from one to 20 to one to a hundred. So we're going to talk about that. The Torah more says the purpose of this passage is to tell you that no one's going to be able to excuse our victories by saying that we were outnumbered by other people and that, that we outnumbered other people and that's how we won. Instead, it's not going to seem natural. Every time we win, it's going to seem like there's no way we should have won. We could be outnumbered by 20. We could be outnumbered by 100. It doesn't make a difference how much we're going to be outnumbered by. Even so, we're going to be able to defeat our enemies and people will see that Akash Baruch Hu is with us wherever we go. That is the bracha, the beauty of being part of Klal Yisrael, and that's that. It doesn't matter what enemies, we, what weapons we have, it doesn't matter what we take into war. Eilev Arecha Ve'eilev Asusim, they're going to use those chariots and their horses. We're going to have something through our Kaddish Baruch Now the Cheshbin, however, as we just said, seems to be a little bit off. It's 1 to 20, then 1 to 100. What's going on? What's, what, what's with the discrepancy between the two, and why do you have that? Okay, so the Ibn Ezra says that this seems to be random. We just chose two random numbers, like 5 to 100 and 100 to 10,000, but they're not really that, that number doesn't really matter whatsoever. That's the Ibn Ezra, and that's a classic Ibn Ezra. Like a Rishon's answer to be able to say, it's just random numbers. Rashi seems to say two answers. Number one, he says, first, the weakest among you will be able to chase 100 people with only five. The stronger among you will be able to chase 1,000, 10,000 with only 100. Stronger you are, the more people you'll be able to chase. An individual, I shouldn't say an individual, but five individuals who are weaker will be able to chase 100, and 100 stronger people will be able to chase 10,000. Sifseh hachamim darshans is from the word mikem being out of place. If you look at the beginning of the passage, it says, Rudfu mikem chamisha mea. And then it says, Mea mikem revava your dofu, which should be umikem mea revava your dofu. Since it says mea mikem, it must mean it's referring to somebody else. Like mikem is almost like mach, as in weaker. The weaker you are, therefore, that's going to be five. So, Rudfu mikem of your weaker ones. Five and a man, then mea mikem, the mea being the strong, the other 10,000 being the weak, etc. That's the idea behind it. So that's the way he understands it. Those, as Nan Lutora says something as well. In Divra Yom and Perik Yud Aleph Pasuk Yud Dalid, right? It says, Oh my gosh, I made a mistake in this. I have no idea what I just wrote. Elam Ibne. I have no idea which, what the word is. Okay, it's okay. Roshe, Elam Ibn Gad. Oh, it's just a little stick that goes. It's okay. Elam Ibn Gad. These are the children of God. Roshe Hatzava, right? The heads of the army. Echod Lamea Katon Ba Gadol Elif. 
right? Each one was able to chase a hundred, the greatest among them able to chase a thousand. It's basically, you know, saying what this Pasuk is saying, that there's going to be a hundred people chasing a 10,000 and everything like that, they're going to be able to chase after them, even though the numbers of there are a little bit different. Balaturim says, Barad Fumikem Chamisha plus the Kolo is the Gematria of 750, which is Chaloshim Mikem, the weakest among you. That's where it comes from, Rishwab. He says, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you have weak people fighting in a war? Why are you going to have that? Where do these five people come from? Let's say it's five people that are chasing 100 because they're the weakest among you. But they shouldn't be fighting then. Only let the strong people fight in war, not the weak people. So he says, Man Choli Rabbanon. There's a Gemara. Who are the sick people? They're the Rabbanon. Who are the ones that become weaker through Torah? Matish and Koho through Torah. We all know the story of Rish Lakish. The Rish Lakish, when he accepted upon himself to learn Torah, couldn't get himself out of the river when Rabbi Yochanan saw him. If you're a weaker person, right, that means you've learned a lot. They toiled in learning, and that's that. Even they will be able to chase their enemies. They're the ones who are going to war, because Talmud Chacham are the ones that went to war back then. They're the weaker ones, and those are the ones that are going to go through. But nonetheless, the Giborim, which means either the greater Talmud Chachamim or the strong ones who weren't necessarily Talmud Chachamim, but they had a natural strength, HaKadosh Baruch who gave them Siyat Edishmaya, along with the weak ones, to be able to chase their enemies. Shlomo, did I just answer your question? A little bit, yeah. I figured you were going to ask that. It's okay. But then Rashi says another answer. It says you cannot compare a few people that keep the Torah to many people that keep the Torah. If you have five people that are learning together, that's great. Five people. But if you have a hundred people learning together, it exponentially becomes greater. In other words, the way that they usually stay up at Rebbe Akiva, everybody always says, you know, he went home after 12 years and he overheard someone talking to his wife. And he said, she said, if my husband would go to yeshiva for another 12 years, I would let him. So he went back to yeshiva. And Rav Chaim Shmulevitz asked the question, why wouldn't he go home to his wife first and then go back to yeshiva? Why did he go straight back to Yeshiva without talking to his wife? And he says the famous word, and I'm paraphrasing, 12 plus 12 does not equal 24. Does everybody get what I mean by that? Meaning if you do 12 years in 12 years, that's not the same thing as doing 24 years straight. It's the same thing over here. When a person is learning with not just five people, but with a hundred people with them, there's 99 other people in the room with them that become so much greater, you're able to accomplish way more than what you were able to do. Rev, hold on one second. Rev Victor Miller says, from here we see that the Shechina appears, the Shechina manifests itself for larger groups more than by smaller groups. The greatest presence we ever had was when the entire nation was at Harsinai and when the entire nation was going through Kriyas Yamsuf. That was the greatest amount that we've ever been able to have. Of course, it's great to have five people learning Torah. Of course, it's good to have 10 people that are sitting and learning Torah together. But the more people that you have learning Torah together in the same place caused there to be even greater things. And that's the idea behind it. That's the idea that Ravigdor Miller says. And therefore, we see that a Baruch who loves such a crazy line, such classic Rav Miller, right? He loves when families are bigger. He loves when a person has many children because that's bringing more into the world. Every meal, you have a ton of people there. There's more and more people that are with you. That's the greatest thing that a person can have. That's why the women were praised for raising large families in Mitzrayim because even though it was hard for them, they still did what they needed to do to continue all of Klal Yisrael. Rav Chana Wasserman says there are two milas of a rabim over a yachid, rabim doing things over a yachid. Number one, Derek Tava. Naturally speaking, we know that it's easier for multiple people to lift something than one person individually. I'm going to give an example, but this is from the Gemara and Sota, Daflama Dalit. One person is not able to carry more, I shouldn't say that. 
one person can carry a third of what he would be able to carry if there were two other people with him. Now, that's not what you think. It's not that each person takes a third. So meaning if I can carry 33 pounds, let's say, me and two other people can carry 100. If someone else is with me, I will be able to carry 100 pounds. If I could carry 33 pounds on my own, then with two other people, I myself could carry 100, aside from the other people being able to carry their share. Three people can carry, let's say, 300 pounds, even though three individuals can only carry 33 and a third pounds. That's the idea behind it. That's what the Gemara says in Sota, what they were able to do. That's number one. That's a physical thing. But there's also a Derek HaSkula. For whatever reason, there's Chusarabim. There's a merit of the many. When you have a lot of people together, that's awesome. There's Siyat HaDashmaya, Shem Shemayim is sanctified. Right? We say, Vayihi bishurun melech, bis asef rasheyam, yachad shivti Yisrael. That's the concept. Now, Ksav HaKavala talks about this as well, that concept over there. Now, the Darsh Moshe says, wait a second, shouldn't it be the opposite? That doesn't make any sense. The more Talmidic HaChomim there are, then the less special it is for people to do what they're doing. Rivka Yimenu is praised because she lived among Rishayim, right? If a guy is a rose among thorns, then you praise that guy for being the rose among thorns, right? There's great people, right, because they lived among other people and weren't affected by it. So we asked the question, that's obvious, you know, it's an, and an answer that I'm sure everybody could already figure out. But the question is, why are we praising a tzaddik who's only a tzaddik because there's other tzaddikim? Of course he's a tzaddik. He's living among the other tzaddikim. If you're sitting in a yeshiva where everybody else is learning for 12 hours a day, it's difficult not to learn for 12 hours a day. That would be somebody who you think is not a normal person. That's somebody who's abnormal. Why are you going against what everybody else is doing? So this is the concept. And he says, and this is something that, that, that's amazing. He says, Sometimes a person is called a tzaddik because in comparison to everybody else, he's a tzaddik. As long as he doesn't become a Baal Gaiva from it. I'm sorry? Like Noah. But even Noah, right? I didn't want to give Noah as an example because that's the perfect example of we don't know. Was he great because he was among bad people? Or... Is he not so great because had he lived among Avram Avinu, he wouldn't have been that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's it's the... But it's... It might be deserved. <laughs> like, Rashi has two shitos. I mean, the Gemara Sanhedrin. Yeah, but you see what I'm saying? It could be either way. So it might be, it might be that he deserves that reputation. Whether or not, you know, he's greater than me. I, I understand that. But in that way. So that's the idea behind it. But it could be, he says the following, the, the greater thing is when everyone around each other is, are tzaddikim and they're all growing because of it. Every single person learns from the other and becomes greater because of it. Meaning, again, it's great to be a tzaddik with nobody else there, but nobody's helping you get higher. Nobody's helping you reach your potential. You're doing everything on your own. If you have other people that are pushing you, then all of a sudden you're doing things that you never thought you were going to be able to do in, in the first place. Moshe Rabbeinu told Yoshua when Yoshua said, right, to Adoni Moshe Kla'im, destroy Eldad and Medad for prophesying in the camp. Moshe Rabbeinu's response is, me tain. I wish all of B'nai Sol were Nevi'im. If all B'nai Sol were Nevi'im, then we'd all raise ourselves up to a higher level. It would be even greater if we were like that. If everyone was on my level, says Moshe Rabbeinu, then that would make me greater. And then I would have nothing, I would have nothing to have to worry about. I wouldn't even have any gaiva. Says Ramosha, that's the concept over here. This concept of a hundred people learning is not just a hundred people in a base measure, each guy doing their own thing. It's a hundred people all helping each other. hundred people working together. hundred people going for 
for one direct thing that they can do all together as one. What's up, Dave? A little bit both. Yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. So are we talking about men who are chachamim, or are we talking about men who are? I, 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 I didn't specify because we don't know from Rashi. He just says giborim and chaloshim, but we don't know if he means giborim and chaloshim physically or giborim and chaloshim spiritually. Likely, he means both. Likely, he means both, and that's why I incorporated both into my answer. Yeah. And then the second thing, according to what you're saying now, it's um, you're basically talking about like a righteous democracy versus a, a monarchy. We've never had that. And I, I thought we lost that. Right? right, right. We do. We did. We did. We lost the ability to do certain things. Right. That we that we had. Nonetheless, because we asked for a mela. Nonetheless, we have situations of yeshivas, and we can still have the same concept, just not with everybody in Klal Yisrael. So right. We can have so that. When you grew up in a kahila or. Yeah. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm I'm giving an example of yeshiva on purpose. I'm not giving an example of akila because akila you really could have individuals doing their thing, but not everybody bringing themselves up together. In a yeshiva or a yeshiva setting, you should have a concept where everybody's working together as one. Not necessarily. You could still have an orsamach ish, whatever it is, and everybody's building themselves up. That idea so is are there. Those no, because those people will also have their sviva that's helping them. So everybody's have their thing. Great, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be greater than the collective awesomeness that you have over there. The collective awesomeness is bringing everybody up to a higher level than they could have imagined. So no. Yes, yeah, I, oh, but it's not. But it's not at the same time. Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma said this at the end of Perkiavos, right? He said, he told others, no matter what they give me, I'm not leaving a makom Torah. That's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, I'm not leaving a makom Torah. Yeah, I could be the biggest rub in that area. But if I leave the makom Torah, then I'm no longer getting, gaining from the people around me. And so too, every morning in our brachos, we say this, We don't want to be tested. Don't test me, HaKadosh Baruch I don't want to have that test. I don't want to be in a place where I'm the only tzaddik and everybody else is to be there. I want to be in a place where everybody's working together. And Kol Ram, Rav Moshe adds to this, and he says, there's a mailah tatsnei lechas emelokim, to walk in sneas and not tell anybody what you've done, to be private about your tzedakah, to be private about your service of HaKadosh Baruch to be private about everything you did. However, if your schuyos will cause other people to do great things, then your reward should be doubled. Not only are you doing it yourself, you're causing other people to do it with you. That's the reason why we encourage people to do mitzvahs in a way where other people will find out about them. Because if you do it up, they said, Ariel's doing it. If Ariel's doing it, then I'm for sure going to do it. Look at that. That's something that he caused other people to do. So there's an Indian, says Ramosha, to watch a person do a mitzvah. Watch a person do a mitzvah. I actually used this Ramosha five years ago. If you remember, there was a Pidyon Petr Chamor in Chicago, right? Right by Adas Yashurin. So somebody asked me, he's like, why would I go? It's his mitzvah, not mine. What is the point of me going to a Pidyon Petr Chamor? I said, go and watch a mitzvah that you've never seen before. You're never going to see somebody doing this mitzvah. You haven't seen it before, right? It would be an awesome thing to be able to go ahead and see. Because just watching someone do a mitzvah affects you, whether you realize it or not. And Chas Yashalma goes the other way watching someone do an Avera affects you whether you recognize it or not. That's something you have to stay away from as well. That's the idea that Ramosha wants to say over here. Now, Tom Vidas, Rav Sturmbach says it's normal for 
for, for people to stay away or pull away from certain mitzvahs when they see other people have it covered. Oh, that guy's doing it. He's doing it. All right, I'm not going to worry about it. If they're taking care of it, I, I don't have to do it. Says Rav Shurmbach, that's not the way a person should do. The more people involved in a mitzvah, the greater the mitzvah becomes. Because the more people that are there and encouraging others and getting others, that makes it even greater. So they think like, oh, I'll go do another mitzvah, mis mitzvah mitzvah. You know, I'll do something else that nobody else is doing. No, continue to grow and make that mitzvah bepumbi in a public setting, in a public way. That's the awesome thing altogether. Menachem Tzion, right, uh, the Chavetz Chaim, I say, when doing mitzvahs, the koach rabim is so great. For that reason, invite other people to come. Invite others to be with you when you do the mitzvah to make sure that Menachem Tzion says, this is a great line. A shin is made up of three yudin put together. I know a shin sort of looks like vavin, but a shin technically is three yuds. So here's the kasha. Somebody asked, somebody asked this question too. Oh, it doesn't say who it was. A Talmud asked this Rebbe. He said a yud is 10, right? Three yuds are 10, 20, 30. How do three yuds make a shin, which is a gematria of 300? That's what he asked. How can it be that three yuds create a shin? And he answered, because when three yudin work together, they become so great, they're a hundred times greater than what they were individually. Do you get that? That's such an unbelievable line. Because yes, individually, a yud is 10. But if you take three yuds, you put them together, it's 300. Love Davka. I don't uh, no, that's because of Apostle Borcho Lukim, right? Because uh, you call out to somebody else. That's a Pusik in it's a Pusik in the Torah in Brachos somewhere. I forgot where. But that that that's straight out that's there. Oznayim Latora quotes with Laser Gordon from Tells. This is such a great piece. I couldn't believe it when I found it. He says the following. Let's say you get up early to learn. You decide you're going to get up early to learn. That's awesome. You sit down in a basement and you learn for an hour before davening, before davening starts. You get the schar of learning for one hour before davening. But let's say you have a chavrusa. So you get up for your chavrusa and your chavrusa gets up for you. So all of a sudden, not only are you getting the scar of your limud, you're getting the scar that you got someone else to learn because you're encouraging the other person to get up and learn. So that's two mitzvos, but not only two mitzvos, right? Because the other guy also gets two mitzvos. He learned and he also encouraged you to get up. So you have two people that are learning four mitzvos altogether. Let's say you have 10 people. You have 10 people that are learning in a base medrash. Each one is encouraging the other person to go. So not only do you get the scar of your own limud, but you get the scar of nine other people that are learning there, right? You plus nine. So each person gets 10 mitzvos. If there are 10 people getting 10 mitzvos each, then what, is ha- what happens, guys? You have 10 mitzvos, 10 people each. How many brachos, how many mitzvos is that? 100 mitzvos altogether. Beautiful. Now, says the Zion Latorah, now you understand the Pusik. 100 people will chase 10,000. You know why? Because if you have 100 people learning together, that's the koach of the merubin, right? You have 100 people learning together. Each person gets a mitzvah for their learning and 99 other mitzvahs for causing 99 other people to learn. Because he's there, 99 other people are there. So every person gets 100 mitzvahs. You have 100 people times 100 mitzvahs. How much is that? What's 100 times 100? 10,000. And that's the shot why 100 people are able to chase 10,000 people because they each have 100 mitzvahs in getting everybody to go together all as one. That's unbelievable. That is such a great answer. Yeah, what's up? Um, what if you subtract the shin and everyone in the person follow you? It doesn't matter. 
Because the fact, the reason why he's following you is because he knows, oh, he's getting me to go to Shachos, but you're also encouraged yourself. See, I'm getting up and I'm getting this guy to come. So you're also encouraged. You're going to make sure you get up the next morning as well. You won't give up and go to the bathroom. You won't go to make an extra large coffee. You want to be with that person. So that's the idea. The concept is everybody there, even if it's one guy who I don't really care about that guy, I could care less. I don't care if that guy's in the base matters. The fact that there's someone else there helps you, encourages you to come. So everybody gets a mitzvah. So everybody here is getting a mitzvah for everybody else coming along, even if you didn't mean to. Yeah. <laughs> Still okay. It's even better. Don't have somebody like that. You know, like, I, I will bet in the end, it, he won't be the enemy. <laughs> like that's the idea behind it. Then everything's, everything's going to be okay in the end. Then we have the Rimi Orleans. This is quoted by the Sifseh Chachamim, the tour, the Rabbeinu Bachai and the Rabbeinu Tam quoted by the Rush, who says that the Cheshbin should be 500 to 10,000. If five people chase 100, that's a ratio of 1 to 20, right? So then the next one should be 500 to 10,000. 500 to 10,000 is 1 to 20, right? So he says, that's the pshat. If you read the Pusik a little bit different, it reads like this. The Rodfumikem Chamishamea, five people will chase after 100. Umea mikem, and a hundred times that five. What's a hundred times five? Avi, I know you can do this. Go for it. hundred times five. There we go. Five hundred will chase after ten thousand. And then the ratio is perfect. All the balitosis the, the are saying the ratio is right there. It just doesn't look that way. I found it afterward in the Maral Diskin, the Paneach Raza, the Raza the Mayor. They all talk about this Kajman. That it's all five to a hundred and five times a hundred equals 10,000, or is the ratio to 10,000. That's one. Aksav Kabbalah also means that Hamisha is to pull someone. He brings a couple proofs that Hamisha actually means to, pr- to pull somebody out. Okay, so he found it in different places in Tanakh. So that means that the five people will pull a hundred people with them to chase after 10,000. That again is the answer over here. Five people pull after a hundred people to chase after 10,000. So the number is, again, 1 to 20. It's the ratio of 1 to 20. Now, the Orachim HaKadosh says this Pesach seems to minimize the power of Klal Yisrael. 1 to 20 is great. 1 to 100 is great. But there's a Pesach that said later on, and it's based on a Gemara Soto Yudalaf Amidalaf, we know Mida Kenegin Mida, Mida Tova should always be greater than Mida Sporanius. He says there's a Pesach later on in Dvarim, Perik Lamed Beis Pesach Lamed. It's in Hazinu. That says... There will be a point where one Jew will or will not, it depends on how you read this Pusik, will or will not be able to chase after a thousand people. And two people will be able or not be able to chase after 10,000 people. Now over here, we have a hundred people chasing 10,000, right? Over there, we have two people chasing 10,000, but that seems to be a curse telling us that we're not going to get it, as if we're losing out on that schus. How in the world by a bracha is it 1 to 20, but over there it's 1 to 5,000? That's the ratio, 1 to 5,000. How could that possibly be? So there's a bunch of answers to this question. The Balitosis and the Ramban may seem to say that there's a difference between chasing after and killing. Over there it's chasing after. Over here it's killing because it says, To kill, one person will be able to kill 20. A hundred people will be able to kill 10,000. That's killing. Over there, it's just chasing. Chasing, you'll be able to have, that's a little bit different from everybody else. The problem is, there's a Gemara Moed Cotton. 
The Gemara Malikatan on Tazanim Abayi says that David Amalek was able to throw a spear in war and kill 800 people at once. Can you imagine that, taking that spear? Just nailing 100, 800 people at once, like they're all lined up, you know? And he has that massive spear and he throws it. So I could, you don't have to think that way through. But either way, but he was upset that he wasn't able to kill 1,000. Because he said, oh man, the Pusik in Hazinu says that one person should be able to chase 1,000. Why didn't that apply to me? Now, it's weird, because again, in our Pusik, it's 1 to 20. Or maybe, if it's strong people, it's 1 to 100, right? But never do we see 1 to 1,000. The fact that he killed 800 people is 8 times greater than our Pusik. So how is that not good enough? Tosa said, right, the easy answer is, that Pusik was talking about chasing, not killing. This Pusik is talking about killing. But Dovin Amalek was saying that I wanted to kill a thousand people. That's what the Pusik over there was talking about. So I don't understand. Both Pasukim are talking about killing in that sense. What's going on over here? There are some answers over here. I kind of like the question better than I like the answer. Okay? There are some good answers. The Orachim HaKadosh gives a different answer, right? He, he also mentions that this brach was accomplished by Shimshon. He killed a thousand Pelishim at once when he knocked down the, the two pillars inside the huge Colosseum where we knocked it down. There are some answers. I, 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 I personally think that the question was a lot better than the answer. I'm sorry? The what? With the jawbone. A thousand. thousand policemen with the jawbone. Yeah, he's able to do it. So in theory, that bracha was mekuyim in some way. But again, that bracha was never a bracha. It was a curse to Claudiusstrol in some way, shape, or form. Either the nations are going to chase after us or it's us that we won't be able to chase after them. Either way, it's a really weird thing. I- I'm going to skip right now the Mizrahi. There- there's an even greater question over here that goes over here. If you want to look it up yourself, the Mizrahi, the Balitosos, the more the, the Orachim, you can see I wrote down the Gur Ari Levusha Ora, Maskil David, Berba Sada, and the Chsam Sofer and, Tr- and Taurus Moshe all talk about them. Maloa Omer also, they all talk about the same basic answer over here. Now, the Kliakr says that the basic idea is if five people are chasing a hundred, then the enemies will start to lose their minds, and in the end, a hundred people will be able to chase ten thousand. It's the same war. Right? But in the same war, once five people are able to chase a hundred and the hundred people are running, then all of a sudden everybody else loses hope. As soon as Tchilas Nefila Redifa, the beginning of the downfall is when people are running away. And that's exactly what happened over here. That's the worst thing over here. The Miyamaloi says, you won't even need to kill them. You'll just face them. And a Kaddish Baruch will take care of everything. It's almost like they're going to see the splendor of the Shekhinah shining from your face, and they're going to die. There's a famous story of the Vilna Gon. The Vilna Gon overheard an innkeeper beating up a Jew. So he came outside of his room wearing tefillin, talus and tefillin, and the non-Jewish innkeeper looked at him and immediately died. I've tried it many, many times with my tefillin on, and I haven't been able to kill anybody yet. I'm trying, I'm trying. There's nothing, nothing I can do. No, it doesn't work in a motel. <laughs> it doesn't usually work that way. But either way, regardless, it seems that there's some type of level. And that's the idea, that you'll chase after them, and then, they're going to fall down, but without anything else, just in front of you, and that's that. Rav Yonis and also goes through. It's very easy, he says, for an army to lose their morale. They're sitting in the middle of war, and something goes wrong, and that's it. All it takes is for a few people to just lose heart, and all of a sudden, everything's gone. When talking about us running away from them, and partially Zazinu, right? It seems that we caused our own demise and ran away on our own, right? That's not something the enemy did. We did it to ourselves. Do you get that? Well, when we chase the enemy, we're actually doing something to make sure the enemy is gone. He goes through the difference between Nisa and Redifa, running away or being chased. 
Over there, we ran away. Over here, we are chasing them. He says that's an answer to the idea behind it and stuff like that. Okay, there's a Degel Machna Ephraim over here and a Melo again. Here's a Pshat. The Rabbeinu Ephraim says the five here are remez to the Chamisha Chum Torah, and the hundred is a hundred brachos. If you do a hundred brachos every day and you learn the Torah, just Torah Shabbat Shabbat, not even Torah Shabbat You'll be zochah to this bracha to be able to chase away your enemies. That's the idea. You'll have hatzlaka. I also saw it in the Pesach oil from a David of the same basic idea. The Shach hints that this Pesach is referring to the war of Gog and Magog. Gog and Magog, which is Gog and Magog is the gematria of 70. Because that's the 70 nations that will come up against Klai Yisrael at the end of, of, end of time. Mishach will be there. David Mel talked about it in Perak Beis and Tehillim. La marag shugayim ulu'umim yagurik. And at that time, B'nai Yisrael is going to be super weak. They'll have the schus of learning Chumash, but not Torah Shaval Peh. They'll have only the five, but they won't have the, the schus of the six, of the six Shishish Sidra Mishnah. They'll have a hundred brachos, but they won't have anything else to their merit. That's all they'll have. Therefore, a Baruch Hu gets directly involved and knocks down our enemies before them. And that's the idea. That's the time of the Hayyul Melech Al-Kawaretz, right? That's the idea behind it. Now, there's also something weird. Pasuk Zion and Pasuk Ches say basically the exact same thing. In Pasuk Zion it says, V'naflu lifneichem l'charev. They'll fall in front of you by the sword. In Pasuk Ches, the, our Pasuk, it says, V'naflu oiveichem lifneichem l'charev. That your enemies are going to fall down in front of you by the sword itself. Why is this same thing repeated in Zion and Ches? Literally the same words, except for the word oiveichem, one after the other. Stephen Ezra says it's going to happen time and time again. It's going to happen again and again and again and again. It's going to keep happening. That's the idea behind it. The Orachim HaKadr says it refers to them trying to kill each other. Rashi has an answer. They're going to kill each other in the first Pusik. The second Pusik is referring to how um, they're going to fall. Shalok Either way, but that's the idea behind it. And the Orachim HaKadr goes into that as well. The Rabbeinu Ephraim says it's going to happen twice in our history. One by the times of Yoshua. Another one by the times of David Amelach. He doesn't explain why those two specific times. But that's Nafloi Vechem but here's Rashi. Rashi says that the word lifnechem in Pasuk Ches refers to falling shalo kederach Not normally. You're going to fall, but it's not going to look or be normal. It's going to be something that's absolutely abnormal. The Chanukah Satorah, the Rebbe Reb Heschel, this is the Rebbe of the Shach, asks, what does Rashi mean by this? What does that mean that they're going to fall supernaturally? Scott, if you all remember by David Melech, it says something interesting. David Melech had a slingshot. Now, again, it wasn't like the Bart Simpson, you know, slingshot like that. It was a slingshot, right? It's a sling, and then he shot it against Goliath. Now, if you take a slingshot and it hits you right in the head, what should happen? Physics, right? The slingshot goes and hits you in the head. How should Goliath fall? Fall backward. Should fall backward, right? I know that when you punch a guy really hard, sometimes he's like back and forth on his feet, and then he might fall down in, in front of him, right? I realize that. That sometimes happens in boxing and stuff like that, but that's because he's weak and whatever it is. And we all know that it's the legs that are so important in boxing. And I, I think we all know that, right? We're all experts in boxing, right? But when you hit a guy with a gun, you know, with a gun, and you hit him straight against it, he's going to fall back, not forward. It makes no sense for him to fall forward. He would never do that. But the, the Pusik says that Goliath fell before David. How did he fall forward? He should have fallen backward. So Chazal tells us, the Medrash says, it was because it was a schus of David Amalek. Goliath is a big guy. 
if Golias would have fallen backward, Dovin Amalek would have walked all the way to Golias in order to chop off his head, which is what he had to do. Because Golias fell forward, right? Dovin Amalek didn't have to walk all the way. He could just walk right, he stood right there and he chopped off his head. It was a bracha that a Kaddish Baruch who made Golias fall forward unnaturally in front of Dovin Amalek so that he wouldn't have to go all the way around. Says the Chanukah Satora, that's the shot behind this, behind this Pasuk. V'naflu oivechem lifnechem. They're going to fall in front of you, even though they should fall backward, but in order for you to not have to walk all the way around, they're going to fall down right in front of you, so you'll be able to chop off their head much, much easier. And I realize that that over there says lecharev. That's the pshat. Lecharev, for him to cut off his head with a sword. That's why he fell down in front of him, right in front, instead of in the back. Pretty amazing, right? Does everybody know who Gary Larson is? The Far Side? You ever read the Far Side comics back in the day, right? The Far Side. There is a Far Side comic in which it shows a huge guy on the ground, and there's two guys talking, and they say, you know, for a guy that good with a slingshot, you'd think he'd be faster on his feet. And then you realize that in the depiction, Golis had landed on David Amelech, and David Amelech was trapped underneath Golis, right? So that was the joke. It was, it was a cute comic, right? And it was that. Gary Larson was mechaven to this Rashi. Because why in the world would Golias have fallen forward? He should have fallen backward. But he knew, obviously, right, that he fell, so Golias fell forward instead of backward, and in his case, onto David HaMelech, right, to land on David HaMelech, but right in front of David HaMelech, so that he wouldn't have to chase after him. That is unbelievable. There's such a great shot. The what? Standing on level ground, right. 100%. I mean, you would assume so, because that's where the battle was. Dovin Amalek was battling Gullies in a one-on-one fight. So I would assume that that's there. But I have no idea. Let's finish this off really quickly, guys. Sav Silver says the word Oivechem at the end seems to be extra. He says, it seems there are two people fighting you in war. Some are actual enemies, and some are only fighting because the king wants them to fight. They don't want to fight. You think all the Russian troops want to fight against Ukraine? There's no way. There's no way. So some people are fighting because they want to do uh, Mother Russia. And there are other people who are only fighting because they're going to die if they don't. So that's that. The pshat is, when a Kaddish Baruch who allows you to kill in war, Hashem will make sure that you only kill and fight your enemies, not the people who are only fighting because they have to. Only your enemies will fall in front of you by the sword, not the other people. Hashem won't let them die. Only those who truly hate you and deserve to die will die, nobody else. And then the Maril says the word lechorev is also extra, right? It should just say that your enemies will fall down in front of you. He answers that the root of all miracles is the first time that a miracle happens. Hashem remembered Sari Menu because of Avram Minus Tfilos, and therefore she was able to give birth. Now that Sari Menu was able to give birth, therefore Rifke Menu was able to give birth, and then Rachel Menu was able to give birth, and then Chana was able to give birth. And all women who have a hard time giving birth can give birth because of Sari Menu. Once the miracle is in the world, it's easier to be able to pull it down. Bnei Yisrael had Kriyas Yamsuf. That was a huge miracle. But once that happened, Yoshua was able to do it later on when they went into Eretz Yisrael. Reb Pinchas ben Yoyer did it. Not only for him, for the guy with him, and then for the Arab merchant that was with him. Well, how can you do that? It's a huge miracle. Because once the miracle is down, you're able to pull in that Kedusha and do something because of it. So too, if a tzaddik is able to knock down his enemies... 
that tefillah not only works for that moment, but for subsequent moments as well. It becomes like a sword for generations later. Bishas Maisen for all future generations. That's Lacharev. For all future sword fare, your enemies should fall easier in front of you. That's the concept, and that's why it says the word Lacharev over here. All right, guys, we'll stop with that.